Hey, 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 y'all. It's the 312 Renegade Diva back in effect. It's episode three. The title here is The Things We Do for Love. Yeah, I thought it was kind of fitting since, you know, it's a line from Game of Thrones and, you know, I'm a GOT fanatic and, you know, I'm actually, this episode today is uh, about some things that we do for love. Um, actually, the first topic would be the breaking point, uh, women raising women, okay? We're going to talk about women that are still raising women, um, uh, my my situation is, you know, uh, I think it stems back from my relationship with my mother. You know, it wasn't the greatest relationship. Um, when I was younger, I was wild child. I was wild as fuck, right? And uh, my mother, you know, she she was very old fashioned. Came here from the Philippines, and you know, she had she had a vision for what she wanted. But, you know, she was more like the mother of, of, of her seven siblings because she helped my grandmother take care of them. Or actually, not the seven. Her older brother, like, she didn't take care of him. But, you know, she had six siblings that were younger than her. And I guess it made her a really strong woman. But when I was younger, I didn't, I didn't know none of that. I didn't know about a woman's strength. I didn't know uh, that a woman could be strong. You know, I, I thought women were scared of all things gooey and nasty. And, and you know, girls were girls. They wore dresses and pigtails. And, you know, my mom's mental vision of who I, I, I know she is now is a warrior. You know, she, she's, she's battled so many. She's, she's, she's come across so many battles and she's overcome so many hurdles in her life and you know she's my fucking rock star you know so I think you know back when I was a kid I didn't see that I saw you know a woman a woman who had rage in her you know wasn't passion what I saw I thought you know my mother was just like overbearing and just very controlling and always yelling and she was never happy you know she was always yelling at at all of us even my father but my father was just loyal, loyal to like like loyal to the T. Like he never, ever yelled back at my mom. You know, she, he loved her so much, and I think because my mom was so strong in the relationship, uh, my dad was really more of our caregiver. So I had two sisters growing up. Um, when I was five, my baby sister who was turning two, passed away from pneumonia. And uh, that was pretty hard on our family because I was barely five. My sister was four, and my baby sister was almost two. And, uh, yeah, that was tough, uh, you know, losing her, watching my father cry for the first time. It was, it was really hard on me. Um, so that took a while. My mom cried almost every night for years, and and it was sad to see, you know. Um, only because I saw her uh, so 
so opposite of being weak, you know? So that was hard for me to see that, as well as my father, because I always thought my father was a strong man. Uh, in your, being your children's lives, you know, uh, as opposed to not being there for them, it's different. When you are in your child's life, um, you want to do the best to give them the best. But, you know, you fail at a, as a parent. We all fail. Um, we make mistakes. We make bad choices. Just like you did when you were a kid. Except you're wiser when you're an adult. So you shouldn't make so many bad choices because you should have learned from the bad choices that you've made in the past. Uh, my situation is with me and my daughter. So the reason why I brought my mom up is because I compare my relationship with my daughter to the relationship I had with my mom and the relationship she had with her mom. So my mom's relationship with her mom was amazing. My grandmother and her, I guess they were so close. Like, I don't know, it was kind of like they were sisters, sort of. I don't know how to explain that. But I think because my mom helped out around the house, you know, um, she was like her right-hand man or right-hand woman. <laughs> and then, you know, my mom had me, and she was real hard on me, you know. And I understand now why she was hard on me. Same with my sister. We we totally get it. I'm turning 43 in July. My sister is going to be 42. And, like, we understand now that we're mothers and now that we're older and we're seasoned and, you know, we've, we've experienced a lot in life that we appreciate the things our mom said to us when we were younger. You know, take for granted that I didn't get it back then. I should have. You know, it would have been easier for her and it would have been easier for all of us. And we probably would have gotten along all my life instead of just now. So the moral of this story is you know, you see that you see the things that your parents do for you, and what what you what you view in your perception of what they don't do for you, and then you make your own decision on what you're gonna do when you become a parent. So around the age of seventeen or sixteen, I made it up in my mind that I wasn't gonna be like my mom because I just felt like she was always you know, hitting us with tough love. Like, my mom was quick to, you know, tell us, like, that's not the way it goes. She wasn't, you know, too, like, too sensitive to tell us, you know, that we fucked up and, you know, that we needed to get our shit together. And, like, to me, I guess because I would see other moms with, like, people that I knew and I, and I, and I wanted that, like, loving, nurturing mother. And, you know, she just wasn't that mom. And, you know, I hated her for it, I guess. You know, I, I resented her. But I never told her that I hated her because all my life, all I ever wanted was to be accepted by my mom and to be loved by her. You know, that was all I ever asked for as a child. But that was just me, you know, because I'm just, that's just the type of person that I was. I would always look for love from everybody else. And, you know, I was really close 
you know, to my dad and my grandfather. They were just, like, really close. I used to watch sports with them all the time, and I think that's when I became a tomboy is when I started watching the Cubs, like, playing at Wrigley, and, you know, Harry Carey was on, and, and, and he was just the fucking greatest commentator, you know, on TV. He had so much fucking spirit. You know, he was lively, and I'm sorry, I just took a took a left on this conversation. Anyway, we'll go back to the Cubs on a on another day. Uh, let's go back to the topic of what I'm talking about. Uh, again, the topic is the things we do for love. I feel like, you know, watching my mom, you know, live the way that she lived and treat us the way that she treated, I felt like it was tough. I felt like it was it was rough and, and and she didn't need to be so rough, you know? I felt like she needed to be more loving and more nurturing and that's where I felt like she failed as a mom. And it didn't take until I was a mother of, of you know, myself, uh, you know, of my own child to realize that everything my mother told me or did or said growing up, it all started to hit home with me, you know? Uh, I'm very deep-rooted in my family values and the culture, my roots. Uh, being Filipino, you know, you're very respectful to your parents and your elders. You know, you don't disrespect your parents, and that's just the way it goes. You know, you don't even talk to them like a friend because that's disrespect. So, you know, you got to come correct. When you talk to them, you have to have respect. So you always got to talk to them very politely, you know, and anything else is, is deemed disrespectful. In, you know, back in back home that they don't, you know, they didn't play that shit. You know, now it's in new generations and, you know, things are a little bit different. You know, our parents evolved, but not much. You know what I'm saying? They're still true to who they were and, you know, what they know. And plus, you know, you know how it is. Older folks, you know, they want, they don't want change, you know. They're, they're used to being practical. I mean, uh, they're used to routine. <clears throat> and um so that was kind of that was kind of like the the turning point where I was at the age of 17 and decided like if I have children I'm not going to be that mom. I'm going to be the mom that's, you know, the cool mom that does everything that the kid wants and gives him everything that they want because that's what I want to do for my child because that's what I always wanted my mom to do for me, you know? So I thought I would give my child the life that I always wanted. And then um, I had a boyfriend when I was about 16, and we were together for about a year and a half, uh, right after, or right before my 18th birthday, I was pregnant, or I got pregnant, and with my daughter, um, and I was excited. I didn't know it was a girl, but I was excited that I could finally be a mom that I wanted to be, be the mom that I wanted my mom to be. You know, in, in my eyes, in my young eyes, like my young childhood eyes, this is what I wanted, you know? So, you know, I didn't even tell my mom I was pregnant. That's the craziest thing. I was already, I moved out. So I dropped out of high school my senior year. Uh, I w went to go live with my boyfriend. I basically just told my parents what I was doing. I didn't ask. I just did it, you know? And, like, that's fucked up because you're a fucking teenager and you just tell your parents you're fucking bouncing or whatever. And so 
you know, I, I didn't see my mom for a while because I found out I was pregnant at my grandmother's funeral. Um, so we were at my grandmother's wake and I didn't get my period. My cousin didn't get her fucking period and my other cousin didn't get her period. So we all thought we were fucking pregnant, right? So we all go to get pregnancy tests. We're in the fucking funeral home doing piss tests in the damn washroom, right? And, you know, my my dead grandmother's in the other room and everybody's mourning for her. So, you know, we're all messed up. We're young, stupid, dumb. And, you know, we're, we're doing this in the washroom. And my cousin's test comes out positive. But me and my other cousin's tests came back negative. So we were like, oh, shit, you're pregnant, right? And then a week later, I didn't feel good, but I didn't throw up. So I didn't really have morning sickness. But then I noticed that I didn't get my period either. So then, like, I was just trying to put things together. And I was like, well, maybe I should go to the doctor and check it out. So I went and checked, and I was pregnant. Me and my cousin were pregnant at the ages of 18. And then, you know, we became moms. And... I was so excited to be a mom, you know, but what the fuck did I know? I was 18 years fucking old, you know, I was a rebel against my parents. I did what I wanted to fucking do. I left home. I dropped out of fucking school and, and to top it all off, I left to be with a man, you know, or to be with a guy. I left to be with my boyfriend who lived with his parents. So I left my mom's house you know, moved in with my boyfriend's parents and his brother, and I basically stayed there until I was, like, six months pregnant. So, you know, my baby daddy's um, history was kind of rough, too. You know, he's uh, um, a resident alien from Cambodia. So when they came here, life was rough for them. They were, you know, a third-world country, and it was a lot of poverty and you know, it was rough for them when they first came to America. They struggled worse than we did because they weren't petitioned to come to America. They didn't become citizens. You know, it took them a while to get that type of citizenship here. So um, my mom was luckier because she was actually petitioned by my uncles to come to America. And, you know, very fortunate for us. And, you know, I guess, like, I just, I loved his world. I love the difference because, you know, he was Cambodian and I'm Filipina and, you know, it's just like our two cultures, even though we're both Asian, it's like our cultures meshed and I was like, this is fucking dope, you know, I love the Cambodian culture. So, like, I used to fuck with all my homies were Cambodian, I used to fuck with a lot of Vietnamese cats, a lot of Laotian cats. I had some Filipino friends, but majority of my Filipino folks that were my people back then were like my family. So, you know... To go back to what I was trying to get to, um, I'm six months pregnant, right? And I'm about to move to Indiana with my boyfriend because my mom, or I'm sorry, not my mom, my boyfriend was in a lot of gang violence and I was running around in like the winter of Chicago, like six months pregnant, like you know, dodging bullets and shit on the north side. Like this shit was for the fucking birds if you ask me. So, like, I told him that, you know, I didn't want to give my baby that kind of a life. You know, I wanted something better for my child. And so he, you know, asked his parents if, you know, he could, like, make a big opportunity. His parents talked to his uncle in Indiana, and they told us that, you know, they 
they could get him some really good work down there. We could move down there and live with them. And, you know, we could probably get our own house in a little while because, you know, houses were really cheap in Indiana. Everything sounded so good, you know? Like, everything sounded so good to me. But I was still fucking 18 years old, you know what I'm saying? So, like, how good could something sound at the age of 18 when you really don't know much because you really never had much? And, you know, like, and when I thought I never had much, I didn't realize that my mom actually gave me the world. So, like, I thought I didn't have shit. Because my mom didn't spoil us. She didn't flourish me with gifts. And, you know, I used to see others with, like, material things. And, you know, their mothers were so loving. And I just felt like my mother hated me. And I was like, what did I do to deserve a woman like this to be my mom? And, you know, I, I started to like, create a monster in my head. But all the while, as much as I, I saw a monster in her, all, all I ever, ever wanted... I, I just wanted her love. I just wanted her to love me and, and to give me everything that a mother is supposed to give their child. But she gave me that. And I guess I just wasn't emotionally strong enough to handle the way my mom dished that type of information out. You know what I'm saying? She would always like say things and it came out like real tough and rough. And that shit fucked my head up because like, you know, like for me, I remember when I was a child, I could remember everything that they told me, like whether it was good, whether it was bad. I remembered those moments at the age of like five years old. I can remember that vividly. And like now I can't remember what the fuck I had last Thursday to eat. You know what I'm saying? But like I went to visit my mom. Right before we moved to let her know that I was leaving. And when I went to see her, I was wearing some overalls and I was showing because I used to dress like skimpy. I mean, you know, I was a little slim. I was 18. I mean, you know, you don't you don't wear big baggy clothes when you're 18. And my mom knew that I didn't wear big baggy clothes, but I had these big stupid overalls on with a little shirt underneath and when I went to go manong my mom, which means bless, that's when you take the hand, the outside hand, and you put it to your forehead. That's what manong is in Tagalog. That's a Filipino customary thing that you do to your elders, you know, people that you respect, people that are older than you. I mean, not like your big sisters or anything, but like your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, your godparents your mom's fucking friends that you think is your aunt but it ain't really your aunt but filipinos tell you that all your fucking mom's friends are your fucking aunts so you just roll with the fucking punches because sometimes the bitches play mahjong and sometimes the bitches give you money so you roll with it right anyway i uh i was young i was i was a tomboy you know i liked boys but i liked sports and, you know, I like to swear. I used to sit there and watch the guys play Pesoy, and I loved it. They fucking throw money around. Every time one of my uncles that, you know, really loved fucking with me, they, they would always throw me some fucking money. I'd be like, hell fucking yeah. And I, then I'd get in trouble for my mom because she would think I'd be begging for the money. But I just got a thrill out of watching them gamble. Not to mention I'm a fucking degen now, but anyway, um, so go back to the story. I I see my mom. She works at the hospital. She's a nurse's clerk, right? I go up to the nurse's station, and I'm like, Mom, I'm like, and she's like, Come on, Marianne, I gotta do my rounds, right? 
So, like, my whole fucking family worked at this goddamn hospital. They were working at Cabrini Hospital over on Racine, like, Racine and Polk. And, uh, oh, no, 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 like, Racine and, fuck, you know, over there by, like, Harrison, by UIC. So, um, I mean, the hospital shut down. Um, they turned it into condos, I think. But back in the day, uh, that was, like, we used to kick it on Taylor Street. There you go, Taylor. Like right off of Taylor and Racine. That's a good one. No, no, no. Yeah, Taylor and Roosevelt, that area. I'm sorry. I'm high as fuck right now. I'm really trying to think about my streets in Chicago. And being in the fucking burbs has distraught my brain a little bit. I mean, I used to be able to look look at shit and be like, yeah, Chicago. Oh, you name a street in Chicago? Yeah, I can tell you left, south, north, east, west, whatever. Like, two blocks this way, it's on the southeast corner. You fucking, you name it, I know it, right? Now when I go to the fucking city, I don't know motherfucking shit. I go downtown, there's, I know Millennium Park. Then motherfuckers be like, well, meet me at this restaurant. I'll be like, uh, GPS, that shit. But anyway, so I go to the hospital. I go with my mom. We're doing her rounds. We're walking around the hospital. And um, my mom's like, Marianne, buntis and, you know, that means, like, are you pregnant in Tagalog? So I'm like, I'm like, no, but, like, laughingly, jokingly, sarcastically, I was like, no. But she knew, and she was like, I, Marianne, why? You know, it's like, you you could see the disappointment in her eyes. But she wasn't angry, you know. She was, she was just, like, upset. And I never saw that side of her. So that was that was kind of like a bittersweet moment to share because as I was leaving to go to Indiana, I had to tell my mom that I was pregnant. Well, I didn't really have to tell her, but I, I, I knew that I had to tell her eventually. But you know what I mean? Like she wasn't even mad that I didn't tell her right away. And, you know, she just told me that my dad was going to be so upset with me and I knew I knew it was gonna break his heart when he find when he found out about it, but I put it on my mom to tell my dad because I I couldn't I couldn't even face him and tell him that I was pregnant. I think I was such a disappointment to him. All he ever wanted, also, was for me to be somebody, do something, you know. And all I wanted to do was get high, hang out with my boyfriend, hang out with my girlfriends. Go to the club, hang out with my cousins, play outside all day, like go to sporting events. You know what I'm saying? And my dad was like, you need to focus on your life. And I wasn't trying to hear that shit. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, whatever. But now I'm pregnant at 18. I moved to Indiana and me and my boyfriend lived there with his uncle and his wife, their two sons, um, and... Um, the kid's grandmother was there. So it was me and my man. We moved in, living in the basement, and wasn't shit to do in Indiana. It was the boringest fucking place ever. They lived in Elkhart, Indiana. I had my baby in Goshen, Indiana, okay? Goshen. I didn't even know this fucking place existed. But when I first moved out there, they were like, yeah, you got to get prenatal. You know, you got to go to the doctor, this, 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 and that. You know, like. His aunt took care of me. She was she was dope. You know she used she used to always look out for me because she was a mom, and you know like my my baby daddy's mom, 
she's Cambodian and she speaks Cambodian. Like she don't speak good English. Well, she didn't speak really good English back then. This was like in 1994, you know? So like his aunt that lived in Indiana, they were like trans, they were like transformed to like American, American. They spoke really good English. They had very, very light accents. They were very American. Um, but yeah, she was cool as fuck. Like it was easy to talk to her. I felt like there was such a uh, a language barrier between me and my baby my baby daddy's mama, and you know like she was sweet. She was a nice lady, but I just didn't know how to talk to her because I didn't know much Cambodian. Like I knew a few words, I knew a few phrases, but I could never really just have like a full on conversation with her. Um, but um, yeah, it was pretty dope. We were in Indiana, and I you know I was it was something new, something cool. Thought we were going to, like, get married and be together and have children. And, you know, it was fun. It was exciting. It sounded great. And then, I don't know, somewhere between, like, right before giving birth. So, my daughter was born March 12th. Yes. I had my daughter on 312. That's right, because I'm the 312 renegade fucking diva. But anyways, so, you know, I had my daughter, and so I had my daughter out in Indiana. Um, it was, it was, it was rough for me because I got homesick about, um, I want to say a month and a half in. I really missed my dad. I missed my mom's food. My mom knows how to fucking throw it. She used to kill. She used to kill it in the fucking kitchen. You know, my mom doesn't cook anymore. But you know, my dad now cooks all the dishes my mom uh, pretty much mastered. Filipino dishes that that I love. My dad, my dad makes it better than a lot of people I know. So I had my daughter, and then. Right after I had her, I just had enough of being in Indiana. Like, we didn't have any money saved up to, like, get our own place. And I really didn't want to keep on living with his uncle because I felt like, I just felt like, you know, I, I was out of place there. Like, they were always talking Cambodian and I could figure out what they were talking, but I never chimed in on their conversation. You know what I'm saying? So that was kind of tough. And we didn't have cell phones back then, you know? We had house lines, so I didn't want to be on their house phone talking to my family. It's just, it's rude, and yeah, that shit, that shit wasn't happening. I was just trying to come back to Chicago. I really just missed how, my house. I missed my mom. I missed my dad. I missed my sister. I just wanted to come back home. So right after I had my daughter, a month in, my cousin, um, well, not my cousin, again, uh, her dad was a, a good friend of one of a compadre of one of my uncles and shit. So she was in the Michigan area. So she said she'd come pick me up. She scooped me up. She was from Houston, Texas. She came to, she came from Michigan to Indiana, picked me up with my daughter and drove us to Chicago and dropped me off at my mom's crib. It was mad love. Cause my daughter was like weeks old. You know, I was just like ready to go, ready to go. Um, yeah, I got home Moved back in with my mom, and uh, we weren't there long. I think we were there for about two months before 
my boyfriend said, you know what, let's just move back to my parents' house. And I was like, okay. So we ended up moving back to his house um, because he wanted to fucking drink all night. You know what I'm saying? He wanted to fucking kick it with his boys. He just wanted to, like, kick it all night. And I was young, but at the same time, I was a fucking mom. And, you know, but I didn't want to let him, like, go out by himself. I, I wanted to go kick it, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was pregnant out for nine months. I just wanted to have a good time right after I had the baby. So I think we were going out, like, every fucking weekend. Every fucking weekend. Every weekend we was going out, it was bad. And then that's the main reason why we left my mom's because my mom was like, look, you just had a baby, you know what I'm saying? Like, you moved in here. If you want to move back in here, you guys can't be coming in all hours of the night. You know, you got to put in on, you know, my mom really didn't even ask for, like, rent. She was basically just, like, my mom and dad used to, like, take care of my baby when I was, I would, I think I was working. I was working at Dominic's, um, Dominic's Food Court at Lane Tech. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if you, if you, if you, if you were born after 1997, you might not know what Dominic's is if you're from the Chicagoland area, but it was, it used to be a grocery store. It's before Mariano's and shit. So, you know, um, we, uh, we got in trouble with my mom, and that's when he was like, look, man, we're not going to get this kind of heat if we move back into my parents' house. And, of course, I was young. I was just like, I was willing. He was he wanted to move back. I was like, all right, fuck it, let's go. So we moved back to his, you know, his mom and dad's crib. We were living there. They were cool about it and everything. But then again, I really couldn't make out a lot of the stuff that they would talk about if they would talk in Cambodian. You know what I'm saying? So... I think there was a lot of times where his parents were talking shit to him in Cambodian. Like, what what are you going to do with yourself? You got a kid now. You got to get your life together. You, you know, you got to save money. You got to get your own place. Like, stuff that we weren't trying to hear because we were young. We were young, we were dumb, and we got fucking pregnant, and we had a baby. And we were fucking kids having kids. You know what I'm saying? But, like, it all sounded fucking cool. When we were younger, we really thought we were going to be together. I thought I was going to marry this motherfucker. And, you know, we thought we was going to be happily ever fucking laughter. <laughs> happily ever fucking laughter. That's what, it, that's what it really is, right? So, I mean, things started to get bad between us. Um, I noticed that he wanted to, like, smoke weed and just drink all the time. And we never really we're parents to our child like we should have been you know what i'm saying we made the decision to be parents but we didn't want to be par- we didn't become parents like we didn't step up and and be that parent for our child so my parents took care of of her a lot and his parents took care of her a lot you know and um that's just pretty fucked up and you know i want to say I felt like I felt like the burden. I, I I felt like I was I was being a burden on on his parents, on my parents, and we weren't really doing anything. You know what I'm saying? I'm working a dead end job at a fucking food court, like just trying to make a little cash to buy diapers and formula, and like that shit wasn't that wasn't working for me. Cause like I told you, I like nice things. You know. I'm like, fuck that. I'm trying to get me a motherfucking Louis Vuitton. You know what I'm saying? So, like, 
that was my goal. When I was a little girl, I used to see my mom with these Gucci's and Louis, like vintage, right? And I'd be like, man, I'm gonna rock the shit out that when I get older. And like, when I got older, I wanted my own motherfucking Louis Vuitton. Like, that was just who I was. You know, I always keep my little shits on the low. Like, not really tell nobody. But that's what I wanted. And I knew I wasn't going to get that working at a damn grocery store, working minimum wage. So I wanted the best for my child, too. So she was spoiled, like, in the gate. Like, as soon as she came out, like, I was just, like, gifts. Like, we were, like, she was gifted with, like, all kinds of 24-karat gold jewelry all over. And then I got addicted to the gold jewelry. And I was like, I'm going to start buying her all kinds of jewelry. Like, she had bracelets on top of bracelets, on top of anklets, with necklaces, and earrings. Like, she was spoiled. So in about five, six months, uh, I decided to go back to school, right? So I tried to go back to school, try to get my GED, go to college. You know, I'm in school. I want to say it's like nine months. My baby's about nine, ten months now. And, like, my man, you know, he likes to stay up late, play video games with his brother. You know, we're up all night playing fucking Mortal Kombat and shit. And, you know, doesn't want to get up to, like, fucking 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the afternoon the next day. But, you know, that was the shit that we did before we got pregnant. When I was, you know, his girlfriend for, like, a year and a half, that's what that's the type of shit we did. And, you know, that shit wasn't, that shit wasn't going to fly anymore. So one morning I was going off to work. I was like, yo, I got to go. I need you to watch the baby, right? I head off. You know, back then we didn't have Uber, so I used to have to walk to the fucking bus stop. Yeah, that's the little sign in CTA. It's like a, a stick, like right at the corner of the block. The, you know, you see the intersection, like right there. It's just a stick with, with the white and blue sign. Yeah, that's the fucking bus stop. And, you know, we didn't have, like, we didn't have the schedule of the bus. Buses didn't come like clockwork like they do now. You know, motherfuckers know what time your bus is going to be there. We used to have to walk to the motherfucking corner in the motherfucking freezing cold of Chicago and, like, wait for the bus because we never knew when the bus was coming. Sometimes it would be, like, an hour. But, you know, I mean, the CTA, they, you know, they cleaned up. They, they definitely cleaned up the transit authority. So that's dope for, you know, the new age. But, you know, um, just being in that situation, just having, you know, having to, like, walk to, walk, to, walk to a bus stop for school, and it was rough. It was rough for me, I guess, because I was doing it by myself, you know, and I used to have to go to school with my sister, so it was nicer to go to school with my sister because she was always there. And then, you know, I was, I was there with my man, but, like, he didn't want to go back to school, so anyway... I go to school, and I realized that I left one of my textbooks at the crib, right? So I'm like, man, I gotta go back to the crib. I gotta go back to the crib, and I gotta go get my textbooks. And then I walk into the house, you know, and I see my daughter about to put her finger in a fucking socket. Like, literally. Like, she's, like, got her finger on top of the socket, and she's about to put it in there. And I, I dropped all my shit. I picked her up. Oh, my God. I was livid. I, I, I wanted to kill him. I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. So I took the textbook, and I threw it at his fucking face while he was sleeping. Because she could have died. 
she could have got electrocuted. Like, they, if she if she didn't die, they would have taken her from us. You know what I'm saying? Like, child services ain't fucking around, dude. I mean, we were careless as fuck with that shit. So, that shit was like an eye-opener for me. And that was enough. I had enough. You know what I'm saying? I was like, man, fuck this. Fuck school. I'm like, I took my daughter. I went back to my mom's. And then at that point, I decided, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here because... I don't want to be with him no more. He's He doesn't want to be her father. And, you know, like, me, I used to do, like, crazy off-the-wall shit. Like, I was always on the edge. So, like, it, it only took me, like, a little push to make me say, fuck it. Fuck it all, right? So I was really pissed at him. I was so pissed that that happened. And I couldn't trust him. All You know, all I needed to do was just watch her for, like, two and a half, three hours until I got back from my class. So that was hurtful, you know, I, I just, I think I, I reacted too crazy. I left, I took my daughter, I went, I went, I moved back home. I was at my parents' house and then, of course, I missed him, you know. He's all I knew for the last two and a half years. Uh, like, I'm, I'm sorry, three years already, right? So it was like, he's all I knew for the last three years and he's the father of my child. Of, of course, I'm going to miss him. And so I moved in with my mom and then. You know, I was, I didn't really tell my parents why. I just kind of said that, like, like, I didn't want to stay there. I'd rather be at home because I like the food at home. And then I came back home with my daughter and my dad and mom helped me out a lot. So, um, we were kind of, like, on a break for a few days. And then uh, eventually, you know, we saw each other and... You know, we, we ended up getting back together. And then not long after that happened, he promised that, you know, that would never happen again. He was going to change his life. He wasn't going to stay up late anymore. He was only going to go out on the weekends and, you know, gave me this whole fucking, you dig. And uh, during that time, um, his parents got divorced. So... His mom wanted us to move with him um, to Desplaines, to a suburb in Desplaines. And so we moved with her because, you know, she was by herself. After, you know, her husband left her, it was like, uh, oh, I forgot to mention, my daughter's uncle got locked up at 16 for um, voluntary manslaughter. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was uh, five teenage kids um, from, like, the Albany Park area and, like, from Uptown that beat up some kid, some unlucky kid who joined a bunch of guys to come beat up my, you know, my my baby daddy's brother's friends and my homies, like, a lot of my homies. Like, they came, like, 20, 30 heads deep to... Um, Roosevelt High School, and there was a rumble in the parking lot of Burger King. It was bad. They said they ran inside the motherfucking Burger King. People were getting fucked up inside Burger King, but it was a fucking rumble. Anyway, my brother-in-law, he uh, he was with them, but he was driving, you know, so he was, like, in the car most of the time. And, like, four of the guys that were with him, um, they were out fighting, and they were... They all got convicted 
for um, manslaughter because the boy, I guess they beat him up so bad that um, his he was brain dead. And so they had to pull the plug. And the family was, it was just, it was devastating. It was devastating. Like, never would you, you know what I'm saying? You fight. When you're teenagers, you fucking fight. We boxed back then. We didn't have guns. They might have had a knife, maybe some brass knuckles, maybe some lane locks, but... You just didn't, you didn't kill people, you know what I'm saying? And like, that was that was rough. This kid, he ended up having to end his life because he was on life support. That was tough because they hauled, you know, my uh, my daughter's uncle off at the age of 16, and and that was really hard because he really loved my daughter, and my daughter loved him. I mean, she was only a year old, but that's all she knew. Besides me and her dad and her grandparents, so, and my sister. But, you know, it was me, my daughter, baby daddy, and his mom. We moved to Displays. We were like a couple blocks away from Lutheran General Hospital. Um, and we, uh, we lived out there for a while. Um, I want to say we were there for like at least a year. Um, I was a lot closer to my cousins. I have a lot of family out in Addison and Lombard, Villa Park areas. And uh, so I had a girlfriend. I had a best friend. She was Filipina also, right? We used to hang out with these guys together. You know, we even had a gang. Like, we were all in a gang. It was me, my cousins, a bunch of my girlfriends from their high school that went to Lane Tech. And then it was me. And her and a bunch of girls from Uptown and from Albany Park, a bunch of Cambodian females and some Laos chicks. And um, we had a Vietnamese girl in there. And we were we were a gang. We had, There was a lot of gangs back then. Like, we were, I mean, you know, it wasn't like the GDs or the Maniacs and the Latin Kings or nothing. But we were, we were an Asian gang, right? So uh, I was the head of our gang because, you know, I used to, I used to be a, a tough ass when I was when I was younger, and I think that's because of uh, my upbringing. You know, having my mom be tough, my dad was tough, and I just always wanted to be like my dad because it was hard to love my mom. Uh, you know, I, I I went through a lot those teenage years. So at the age of eighteen, after I had my daughter, I'm gonna go back a little bit. Um, I got a I got a tattoo at the lake, like right off Lakeshore Drive between Montrose and Lawrence. And all the guys were getting these homemade fucking jailhouse tattoos uh, with like an ink pen and they had like a little motor on it. And um, yeah, we all just got tatted up. My first tattoo was on my fingers. I got, um, I got these letters on my fingers and then I got the same letters on my ankles. Yeah, I thought I was a fucking badass. And then, like, after that, I was addicted. And I was like, I need another tattoo. Got one on my forearm. So I had about five tattoos that I really, really was proud of when I was 18. Um, and then I needed to get a fucking job. And then that's when reality that's when reality hits you. So I would go, go to an interview, and they would see my tattoos, and... Asked me, you know, about my school history, if I finished college, and I'd say no, and they'd be like, yeah, okay, well, we'll call you, don't call us. 
so it was hard. You know, it was hard. I was struggling. Um, I was living with my parents. I was living with his parents. Like, we weren't doing shit. We were fucking broke. We were broke. We like to smoke cigarettes. We like to smoke weed. And we like to drink alcohol. We like to get fucked up. And we didn't have no motherfucking money. We had no purpose. And we had a fucking child that we just brought into this fucking world. Like, who the fuck does that shit, right? So I used to hang out with this Filipino chick. She used to live out in Glenview. She So she had a boyfriend that she got pregnant with. He was Chinese, but his parents owned a bunch of, like, chain restaurants downtown. And they were loaded. They had a nice-ass house in Glenview. And, uh, like, he was part of an affiliated gang that my boyfriend was in. But they... They, didn't, they weren't real cool, you know what I'm saying? Because he was Chinese and my man was Cambodian. And they really, like, you thought you thought there was segregation with, like, blacks and whites and Mexicans and Asians in, in Chicago. Yeah, there's Asians that segregate against Asians. So, you know, it was, it was kind of like that type of deal where, like, the Koreans, uh, there was Korean, Korean guys in the gang. And there was, like, some guys that were Taiwanese. And there were some Laotian guys, some Cambodians, and some Vietnamese, right? So the Vietnamese, the Chinese, and the Koreans, they were, like, they were crew. And then, like, the Cambodians, the Laos, the Filipinos, they were crew. So it was, like, the dark the dark Asians went, went one way and the light Asians went the other way, sort of say. Um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, it was crazy. So, you know, um, they knew each other, but they weren't homies. But me and old girl, we were homies. Like, we were cool since high school. Like, uh, she used to fucking stay at our place. I'd stay at her place. And, you know, me and my man used to stay at her place. And she'd come stay at our place with her man. And then, you know, she kind of ran through a bunch of guys. Uh, she had about two boyfriends from the time that I knew her until she got pregnant with this dude. But I guess, you know, uh, it was a lot nicer because he was wealthy, you know, and she liked that. Anyway, she gets pregnant with him and they're together. But she wants to hang out with us. Like, she doesn't want to hang out with him. So she would hang out with us and uh, it was crazy. Like, she was hanging out with us for a while you know, every Saturday and, you know, Friday and Saturday, we would hang out at this lady's house in Evanston and we'd get fucked up. Um, so one day, you know, we're getting fucked up and I'm inside the house drinking and I was like, I need a cigarette. So I go outside to the porch and I couldn't believe what I was seeing, but I, I thought I saw my man like put his arm, like he had his arm around this bitch, right? And I was just like, the fuck and then I was like nah I'm tripping that that didn't happen right so I'm like I'm like in denial I'm literally in denial and then like I go over by him and I'm like hey what's up and then they're all acting weird as fuck and I'm like what's going on and then she starts acting weird as fuck so right then and there like in my heart I knew that he was cheating on me or they were messing around something was going down now, this bitch was my best friend. She was, she was like my, at the time, she was like my ride or die that wasn't like my family. You know what I'm saying? I got family that's ride or die, but this was like my girl who was ride or die. Like, she was down to fight whoever. Like, she always had my back. So, it, like, it 
was kind of devastating. Like in my in the pit of my stomach, I knew, but I didn't have proof, so I didn't want to sound crazy and just start like going the fuck off. But you know what I'm saying? I was like, okay, all right, well, we're gonna deal with this. So then, like, I asked him about it, and he fucking denied it. And then he denied it, and then he denied it, and she fucking denied it. And I was like, oh, okay, they must really think that I'm fucking stupid. So I was like, all right, well, you know what? This isn't going to work. So, you know, I was really hurt. I was oh, I was torn. This bitch, like, fucking straight stabbed me in the fucking back, right? I'm like, you could have fucked any motherfucker here. I mean, we hung out with dudes. I'm telling you, when there was, like, the ratio was, like, 12 guys to the girl, to one girl. So, like, there was a lot of guys that you could have let you fuck, that you could have let fuck you. But you decided to let my motherfucking baby daddy fuck you. You know what I'm saying? That was a real smack to the face. And I think I was more hurt by her than anything because I didn't even want to fight this bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I literally was, like, just done with her. And, hey. <coughs> um, I'm sorry. That's a check my dog he's over here he's got a problem with his goddamn licking king stop it so let me get back to this um yeah so so can you believe it my best friend right she stabs me in the back she's fucking my baby daddy so i'm fucked up i'm like man now i don't know what it is but at the time i wasn't really like in love with him anymore you know what i'm saying but at the same time like i still loved him but i felt like oh my god like, she's about to take my man. That's, like, what was going on in my head. So I was feeling like, oh, my God, I'm about to lose my man. I can't lose my fucking man. And so, like, I was desperate. Like, I was begging him to stay with me. I, I actually wanted to be with him. I was doing, like, the dumbest shit, right? Just wanting to be with this motherfucker. And, and he wasn't shit. He fucked my best friend. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, okay. So I don't even really know what happened. I think, like... I think, like, I was dealing with it, trying to figure out what I was going to do with the whole situation. And then I went home, and that was that, right? So I want to say, like, I think that was, like, two weeks, two weeks in. And then finally, like, um, I get confirmation. So uh, one morning, you know, he went to work, and his mom went to work, and I'm home alone, you know, with the baby, and uh, I just put her down. She just went to bed. She's taking a little nap in the morning, and there's a knock at the window. And I get the window, and it's my ex-best friend's baby daddy. And I'm like, yo, what's up? And he's like, yeah. He was like, can I talk to you? And I was like, yeah. He comes in, and he's fucking devastated because now he knows, and he has proof that, you know, they're fucking. So he comes to me with this information, and he's like, we should get them back. And I'm like, like, what are you talking about? Like, fight them? You want to fuck them up? He's like, nah. He's like, we should fuck. And I'm like, what? What kind of shit is that? And he's like, yeah, we should fuck. We should get back at them. Like, it's, it's perfect. It's the perfect revenge. And I'm thinking to myself, like, no, it's fucking messed up. That we can't, that's no. Motherfucker, because I just sat here talking about what a piece of shit this motherfucker was and what kind of bitch this was and what you know what I'm saying? These are these are the bad choices that I made. And and then another bad choice to stay and stick around. So, you know, 
it wasn't the last straw that broke the camel's back. I literally was like still like I was dumb and I still wanted to be with him. And so this dude is like proposing that we get down. And I'm like I'm like, yeah, no, nah, that's not gonna happen. And so he's begging me. He's like, please. He was like, please, we gotta do it. He's like, you don't understand. He was like, this is this is the right move. This is what we have to do. This is the only way that we can get back at them. Like they're together. They want to be together. Like he was saying shit, and it was fucking with my head. Like it was really fucking with my head. So I decided, like, man, maybe we need to. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe we do need to, like, fucking just have sex and and get it out the way. So it ends up we end up fucking right. He can he. He persuades me, and I give him the pussy, right? Now, we're fucking, and now, like, he's like, fuck it. After that, you know, he's like, um, all right, I'll be back tomorrow. And I'm just like, what? He's like, yeah, I'll come hang out with you tomorrow. I'm like, I'm like no, 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 that's not going to work, bro. And he's like, what? I'm like, no, my man's going to be home. And I'm like, this is just a fucked up situation. Like, this is a one-time thing. I don't even know why we fucking did this shit. But, like, I was feeling, like, so fucked up for doing this shit. You know what I'm saying? So I was not in the right state of mind for this. Like, I really was just fucked up. I was really trying to deal with the, you know, the trauma of, like, still, like, what happened. Like, the fact that my best friend and my baby daddy was just fucking around, you know, on me. And... Now I don't slept with this motherfucking bitches, man. They we both got kids. You know what I'm saying from each other's fucking lover. Like, oh my god, it was, it was bad, and like I didn't know if they really wanted to be together or what. But this dude, her baby daddy was actually catching feelings for me. He wanted to be with me, which was crazy, cause I'm like, what the fuck, you know? I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be with you. I don't, I don't even. That's that's not what I'm here for. Like this is not what what we were, you know, the purpose of what we were trying to do. Um I don't I really don't even know how we got there, but next thing you know, he's hitting me up almost every day. Next thing you know, I'm kicking it. Now I'm making excuses to leave out the house. I'm lying, telling my man that I'm doing this, but I'm really not. And like I'm kicking it with this dude. So I'm using my other cousins that live out in the burbs and I'm having them like be my alibi when I go out, right? So, like, me and my cousins, we have this, like, little inside joke. We're like, it was a girl. It was a girl. Oh, yeah, whatever it was, it was a motherfucking girl. It was a girl. Yeah, it what, what she said was, so, so, yeah. So, that was, I was messy. I was messy, I admit it. I can, I can say it. I can tell you right now, I was a messy motherfucker. I did a lot of fucked up shit, and I could write books about all the fucked up shit I got myself into. But, you know, I knew it was wrong. I did it anyway. I fucked her man. And then he caught feelings. And next thing you know, he's, like, trying to shower me with gifts because he's got money. And he's trying to, like, persuade me to fuck with him. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not working. The money's not going to mean anything. And I just wasn't feeling him. You know what I'm saying? But, like, he was a really nice guy and he was good looking. And he had a nice dick. And, you know, that's that's a good package. You know, he had money and all of that. But, like, he was in love with me and I wasn't feeling him like that. And I felt bad because I knew from the get that it was wrong. Like, what we were doing was bogus. It was bogus on every fucking level. So, after that, I kind of felt like 
you know, man, like, I got to stop fucking with these dudes. Like, I'm done with these dudes. I'm out of here, right? And I'm like, just peace. So, like, I hung out with my other girlfriend. So there was, like, a, it was a crew of us. There was, like, four of us that were tight. So my Cambodian, she was my Cambodian best friend. So the, the one that stabbed me in the back, she was Filipina. So she was Filipina, and she was a little fucking Tatiana. So that bitch, she fucking played me. And, and then my other best friend, the Cambodian girl, who later down the road fucks my baby daddy as well. I'm telling you, fucking, I, 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 pick, I, pick, them, I, pick, the, I pick fucking winners, right? So this bitch, uh, she's got a boyfriend in Elgin. And, you know, she's like, yeah, she's like, you should come with me. We'll go to Elgin. We'll hang out with these, these Laos cats and we'll, we'll fuck around over there. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. I need a change of scenery. So now I'm not even being a mom. You know what I'm saying? I'm leaving my daughter with my, like, I'm being, I'm there with her like during the day and at night, but I'm not, but you know what I'm saying? I'm not being a good mom. Like I would leave on Friday and not come back home till Sunday. And what, who the fuck does that? Who the fuck leaves their kids on Friday and comes back on Sunday, like, religiously? So, like, right then and there, I was fucking up. I was fucking up because I wasn't there for my motherfucking child. And I'm making my motherfucking parents take care of my child, my seed that I decided to have that didn't ask to be here. But you know what I'm saying? I'm doing some dumb shit right, right at this point because of the pain that her father inflicted on me, you know, with the cheating and shit. So I go with my girl. We go out to Elgin. And I end up meeting this dude. And I fucking fall in love with this dude, right? So, now mind you, we drove up there with with my ex-best friend's baby daddy, right? So it's my ex-best friend's baby daddy, my other best friend, the Cambodian chick, and, like, my my girls and the Cambodian, and, um, and my cousins. And so we're up there, we're in Elgin, we're kicking in. Like, these motherfuckers are cool as fuck. Like, they're playing cards, they're drinking, they barbecue and i'm like yeah i'm like this is the type of shit i'm talking about and they were a little thug you know they were a little thugged out and that's what i'm used to so i was like cool and uh i ended up hooking up meeting one of these dudes and i was like really feeling him so i was planning to like hook up with him so i was like i'm gonna come back so i got his number and we we're getting ready to go and dude that was catching feelings was like oh my god he was bugging like he was pissed like he was like really and I was like, man, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not feeling you like that. You know, I, I care about you, but not like in the way that you care about me. Next thing you know, I'm in Elgin. I'm in Elgin every weekend, like just not coming home, right? And then at one point I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to stay in Elgin. Stayed out there for like two weeks. And then like after two weeks, I went back. And then after that, I think like a week later, I went back to Elgin. And I stayed out there for like almost three fucking months. Three months and I wasn't home with my daughter. You know what I'm saying? And her father wasn't fucking there. Like he wasn't taking care of her because he, all he was thinking about was what what uh, what new friend he was gonna fuck. What which new one of my friends he was gonna fuck? Like he fucked so many girls that that I thought were cool with me, but you know what I'm saying? Like I had a bad judge of character. Like I I didn't read people. I really just. I really thought that everybody was good and everybody was not good. Like, everybody did not want to be your friend. Everybody does not. They Some people mean harm. So that was tough for me because I felt like, man, I'm better than that. I don't need that shit from you, from none of you motherfuckers. I'm out of here. 
And so I think that was that was the breaking point for me where I just needed to move on and do me. But like it was it's a trial. It's a trial and and lots of error. Um all right. I, I mean I, I, I can go back into this on another day, but that's pretty much what I was going through in the beginning of my daughter in her first year. You know what I'm saying? So uh, my sister reached out to me and she was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? You need to step up and be a mom. Like, are you going to come home and take care of your fucking child? Like, you're just going to let mom and dad take care of your fucking baby? Like, we love her. We're going to help you take care of her. But damn, don't you fucking miss her? She looks for you every day. And that shit broke my fucking heart. I was like, man, what the fuck, Marianne? Really? Like, is this dick that good that you you can't take care of your motherfucking responsibilities? I was like, nah, I need to fucking step up. So I asked my girl if she could take me home. She dropped me off. And she took me home from Elgin. And I went back home and took care of my baby. And from that point on, I knew that I had to hustle because I knew her daddy wasn't going to do shit to help us get due. And so I had to get another job. So I picked up a job at the Brickyard. I was working at Champs, Champ Sports. Yeah, Brickyard used to be a mall, like an outside, not an outside mall, but a mall where you walk inside. And I ended up working there. I was working there, trying to get back on my feet. You know, I, I moved back in with my mom. I told her that, you know, I broke up with him. He cheated on me with my best friend. And, and you know, she, she took me back. She always took me back. My mom has... I put my mom through a lot of shit. I put both of my parents through a lot of shit. They've gotten me out of so many fucking... Like, they dug me out of so many holes because of my frivolousness and my gambling and just spending everything. Just complete buffoonery. Like, I was very careless, very irresponsible... And I didn't like to get lectured. I hated it. And I get it. I get that's why I I think I think that's the um that's the poison that is lingering, uh, that's hereditary for in our family that will go down the line is the fact that, you know what I'm saying, like I think I get that from my mom, you know, where I I try to give tough love. I'm dispersing tough love and and I want her to reciprocate it and, and, and understand it. I want her to comprehend where I'm coming from and to get the fact that, you know what I'm saying, everything that I'm doing, I'm doing to benefit you for you. Like, I have no, I, I, like, I just want what's best for you. I want you to have a great life and I don't want you to struggle. I mean, shit. I dropped out. I dropped out my senior year. I dropped out freshman year. I dropped out sophomore year. I dropped out junior year. Went back to summer school. Junior year was like, man, I'm going to get my shit together. But you see how, how fucking messy I was? How all over the place I was? I was just all over the fucking place. I didn't have anybody to guide me. I didn't have any older cousins that, that motivated me, inspired me, or told me when I was doing something wrong and or told me how to do it right. Nobody told me how to do it right. And that was the problem. If people were there and, you know, guiding me and teaching me how to get stuff done right instead of, like, just telling me, like, get good grades, like, I think I, think I would have headed, headed down a different path. 
But, you know, I, I don't regret having my daughter. I'm glad that I had her. But I can definitely say now I'm facing those those problems that my mom was facing with me, which is crazy because I was 18. No, I was like 20 at the time, 20 years old, and my daughter's 24. And now that she's 24, it's, it's kind of taking a toll on me because we don't always see eye to eye. I'm a Leo, and she's a Pisces, so she's very sensitive and emotional, and I'm very outspoken and just, I'm, I'm arrogant, and, and I'm boastful, and I'm loud as fuck, and I'm overpowering, and I think that's where the lion and the fish, they just, they either need to play nicely, or they don't mesh, because the lion will eat the fish up, and... Unfortunately, my daughter's the fish, and I I have a problem with my delivery. I have a problem with my tone. I, I might sound condescending or um, superior, and that must, that must be hard to hear when you're not as open-minded or strong-willed as, you know, the other person. So I think... My tough love doesn't mesh well with my daughter's perception of love because she views love differently, softer, um, um, you know, a little more carefree. And me, I'm, I'm as tough of love as you're going to get. I'm raw. I'm real. I'm, I don't fucking hold back. I let you know what I'm feeling if. If, if you ain't looking cute in an outfit, I'm going to tell you. If you're looking fat, you're gaining some weight, I'm going to let you know. But I'm not going to keep throwing it in your face. What I'm trying to do is I want to build you up. I want you to be who you're supposed to be, which, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want the best for her. I want, I want her to be somebody. I want her to go places and enjoy life and see the world and, and find love. Like real love and, and not not to worry about debt or problems or any of that. But see, where I failed as a mom is I also didn't learn my finances. You know, my parents never really taught me how to be financially stable, which was weird because my mother invested so much of her money. And, like, she she had a plan for the end game, you know? And I, on the other hand, she never, like, taught me, like, what I needed to do, how to save, what to invest in, none of that. So when I had money, it, I had it one minute and it was gone the next because I was always spending it on my daughter. I was always trying to give her something, get her something. And that's why it was real crazy, real crazy because that's the type of shit that, you know what I'm saying, like, is putting us in the bad spot that we're in now. I feel like... We're so opposite, but then we're so alike. Um, we're both advocates of marijuana, and you know we strongly believe that marijuana is is better for the people than um, all the bad things they say about it. You know, it's still this this t kind of stigma when people say the word weed. They're just like, ooh, I guess it's just all who says it or who hears it, but. Um, 
Yeah, I uh, I went way over today, guys. Um, so I'm going to end this one here. But uh, I guess the moral of what I'm trying to say is there are a lot of things that we do. We do a lot of stupid things. We make a lot of bad choices. And, you know, we have to learn from everything that we encounter, whether it be good, whether it be bad. We need to figure it out. And... You know, we need to make it better for everybody. And that's why, you know, it's the things that we do for love. Your children, you know, they make you dream bigger and aspire to be something bigger because of them. And I think that that's great because so much, so much of what I wanted to accomplish was because I had my daughter. Like, if I didn't have my daughter, I probably would still be getting, like, fucked up. Like, do messy as shit. Just fucking around, staying out all night, drinking and shit, being irresponsible. And, like, I'm still not completely responsible, but I'm a lot more responsible than I was, you know? And that's rough. That's, like, rough for me because it's hard for me to talk to my daughter about stuff like that because of, because of the types of personalities that we have. Um... Yeah, I, I want to keep going and talk about my relationship with her and how it affects us. And my relationship with my mom now is so much better because my mom is a two-time cancer survivor. And she's been in remission now for almost three years, I think. Almost two years, I'm sorry. Almost two years, and uh, that's amazing for us, you know. Uh, my mom's been through a lot, and, and now... The mom, my mom, who's also an advocate of weed, uh, she likes to get high. We like to get high with her, and and you know she's she's so much fun now. She's funny. She's got a great sense of humor. She's not yelling at us, like complaining about everything, and it's great. You know, we actually are enjoying each other's company, and I love that. Like I finally got what I always wanted was a better relationship with my mother, a loving relationship with my mom. Because I was able to be vocal with her. I was able to tell her what I needed from her um, without without fighting with her, you know. I knew, I knew what to say to my mom to make her happy. Um, I knew how to talk to her if I wanted to piss her off. And I think all kids know how to talk to their parents um, when they want something. Or they know how to talk to their parents when they want to piss their parents off. And uh, it's just... That's that's just common in any mother-daughter, father-son, mother-son relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just know your kids and your kids know you. So I think because I'm so so giving, so generous, and so loving, like, I get mad at her, but it never lasts long. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want to voice my opinion. I want to speak. I want to speak on the issue, and then I want to resolve it. I want to resolve it, and I want to become better from it. And I want to move on from that and grow together as mother and daughter because we have the rest of our lives together, you know. Uh, I'm going to be the grandmother of your children. Like, I don't want a horrible relationship with my child. I want a good relationship. And that's why I'm glad that me and my mother were able to salvage what relationship we have left, you know. My mom's 79 now, and, you know, she's getting there, and, you know, I'm just lucky that she made it. She made it this far after, you know, she was diagnosed since 2014. It's It's been a while. 
going on five years since we found out about the cancer and and it's it's just great to see you know to see her moving and talking after the radiation and how it almost broke her and marijuana was a big part of that and just want to say you know big ups to all the marijuana dispensaries and all to the cannabis users out there you know we are firm advocates of weed and cannabis because we know that it's good it's good for medically it's good the cbd has helped for pain and you know fuck it mom likes mom likes the thc too and so do we and ain't nothing wrong with it because it's legal in what 30 states so you know anyway those are the things that we do for love the breaking points women raising women um having to deal with the fact that you know you don't understand your mom or you don't think your mom understands you and all the while it's like right there in your face if you just stop and think and just really get to get a better understanding where your mother or your child is coming from then you know you get you get a better understanding of each other and then then you grow from that and growth is good especially positive growth is always good all right y'all we're gonna end this episode um on that note i hope to catch y'all again tune in next time we will be talking about clout chasers trolling with private accounts people on instagram who send friend requests but then or they follow you and you you know you go to their page and they're on private like fuck you private on for or you know you like go on you go on comments and shit and motherfuckers like talking shit to a celebrity but then you go to their account and they're on private like don't be on private talking shit you scary motherfucker anyway that's what we're gonna talk about next time and uh i wanted to cover the got finale and I also wanted to talk about the NBA playoffs. Well, now we're going to the finals. Um, so the NBA finals is going to be uh, the Toronto Raptors and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, kind of crazy. Crazy, but uh, yeah, I guess it don't matter. It's uh, GSW and four, right? Uh, and we're going to talk about my crazy Cane Corso. I have an Italian Mastiff, a male, intact, two years old. Uh, uh, kind of course he's blue and he's my big baby and uh and we're gonna talk about sex we're gonna talk about sucking dick and eating pussy if we could get all that in squash squeeze that in into about 30 45 minutes on the next episode we will uh thanks again for tuning in and i hope to catch you guys again all right take care